From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we uh, move along into, well, it's going to be fall here very shortly. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it yet. Appreciate you all being with us. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And today we are glad to welcome in uh, Samara Palco, who is the Education Director for the California Catholic Conference. Good, good, uh, good to hear your voice again. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about the conference. The conference represents all the bishops uh, in the state of California. Yeah. yeah, so the California Catholic Conference is the official public policy arm of our California bishops. We have 12 dioceses in California with our 12 leading bishops and auxiliary bishops. Um, and through the bishops' priorities of supporting women, children, and family, the conference sets priorities to ensure that we do the work um, at the state level, at the district level, to ensure that our bishops' voices are, are being heard. And so as the education director, um, I have the privilege of working with a wonderful team in the office, the executive director, Kathleen Domingo, and mm-hmm. um, Linda Weiner has been there for, I think, 32 years. Um, we have Molly Sheehan, who's another lobbyist. So we are a lobbying team of four, the oh, wow. staff of of nine, and so our team, um, we we have different priorities that we cover, and the priorities that I cover have to do with education. What does it mean to be a registered lobbyist, and, and why do you need to be registered? So being a registered lobbyist is important because we follow uh, the law and ethics when it comes to interacting, interfacing, dialoguing, meeting, and presenting and sharing information with our legislators and members and staff. So it's really important that there is a formality and an etiquette that's followed when you're presenting, when you're um, when you're testifying, when you're uh, meeting with members. Mm-hmm. And what that allows for is a really uh, robust and and deliberate um, opportunity to communicate and to express um, ideas, opinions, beliefs based on policy and priorities that you have. And so. That training is, is really big, and it, it raises the bar and ensures that um, I am ethical, our team's ethical, everyone working with us ethical in the sense that we have a common um, duty to ensure that we're following the same processes where um, legislation is being heard and, and ultimately um, turned into to laws and bills. Is the... Is the training mostly do's and don'ts and heavy on the don'ts, or or is it more protocol? It's more protocol and informational. Um, we never want to go in and assume someone knows what they do as a lobbyist. I was a principal last year and a lobbyist right. this year. And so um, when you're a principal and a teacher and an educator, you're lobbying, but you're just not official. So they really teach us how to, to advocate officially and the, the processes when it comes to engaging in meetings and dialogue and what it means to take gifts or not take gifts and what that limitation is. So, for example, as a lobbyist, when we go out and meet, we can't gift or give more than $10 without reporting it um, in a month. So it's important. If I have a meeting with a, with, with a member or with um, another lobbyist or anyone, usually we'll go to coffee, but we, we go Dutch is how you say it. So I'll pay for my coffee, they'll pay for their coffee. So that way... <laughs> You don't get in those entanglements of 
going over that $10 threshold of reporting because you never want your your priorities to be compromised by by um, influences of gifts or bribery. You just made me smile when you said we'll go Dutch. Uh, a couple days ago, my my uh, son, who is 18, uh, he was going to go out with some of his friends. They were going to uh, go to a movie or you know get a bite to eat and, and then go to a movie and 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 he was he was trying to figure out what it was going to cost and this and I said, well, why don't you just go Dutch? And he looked at me like I was from Mars, you know, and, and which is not that unusual. But, you know, he said, what's, well, what's going Dutch? And I said, yeah. it means you pay for your, I guess, I, I don't know when that expression yeah. went out. But the, the, kids don't, the kids don't know what it means. No, no. And I have a 20, uh, 18 and 16-year-old, so I'm right mm-hmm. there with you. They would not yeah. have any idea. Yep. <laughs> that's very interesting, yeah. So the... But that's that's uh, small potatoes, really, right? I mean, uh, it, it's it's in there to prevent, you know, corruption and, and all that. Yeah. Is there exactly. is there any more, at least, serious concern about? I mean, every state has had their issues, and some states still have their their corruption issues. But is, is California a pretty clean state? I would say, in my observation, in this past year, um, I've seen nothing but ethical practices, interactions, and dealings and meetings, which has really, I think, elevated the seriousness of our, our members as well as the lobby, uh, lobbyists that go in and meet with them. Uh, that's really, really good to hear. Are there other, there are other faith groups uh, that are lobbyists as well? Yes, there are, um, the LDS Church um, has, a, has a big team. We actually mm-hmm. partner with them on um, legislation when we have alignment, and we actually... The conference went and did a tour of their new temple in Yuba City, and it oh, was wow. really wonderful to learn about. Um, we work closely with our Jewish uh, schools and members, mm-hmm. and um, with our uh, evangelical uh, friends. So we work with with all faith groups that are in alignment with the mission of the church, which is to really open our hearts to love each person and to hold fast to our priorities and our and our mission of the church, which is um, treating people with, with dignity and respect, but also ensuring that we're following those uh, Catholic social teachings and the issue of morality and what is right and just for, for people and individuals. And so there can be quite a bit of alignment with our different religious um, and faith groups. Yeah, I, I can imagine there would be a lot of alignment and, and then some issues where you're sort of out there uh, alone, if you will. But are there are there sometimes issues where you're actually on opposite sides with with other faith groups? There have been, and what we try to do as a conference is really have those critical conversations so that we can each share our point of view and where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. Where we may not be 100 percent aligned, we try to find that common ground. We try to find where do we intersect and where can we partner together to ensure our voice is amplified. So. I am really uh, so blessed to have a staff that has some really great established relationships. And being new, a big part of my um, role is to continue and to build on those relationships, but also form new ones. And I feel in this position, the opportunity is just endless to meet, to learn, to grow from other individuals. Um, I had a meeting yesterday with a gentleman that is um, a non-denominational church member, but we had so much in common when it came to supporting 
women, children, and families that we talked about those similarities. You know, we grew up in, in the Fresno Valley area, and we talked about growing up in farm area, and then the importance of school, the importance of faith mm-hmm. for families. And so we try to find that alignment in those uh, relationship-building conversations. So you were principal at St. Robert. Um, yes. Maybe they could change your title and call you principal lobbyist. <laughs> no, I'm so new. I'm a very novice <laughs> lobbyist. I'm you're not, you're not the principal lobbyist yet. <laughs> no, I am learning, and we work closely with a few different um, firms that do support our work, which is really wonderful, um, Pinnacle and Capital Advisors and uh-huh. uh, Golf and Golfo. Um, those are just a few that have helped me when I've had questions um, regarding different um, bills or legislation or being able to connect with members or individuals that work in different um, public policy arenas. So how did that transition happen from, from the Catholic schools uh, uh, to, to the conference? So as a principal, first I was a teacher and uh, a leader and I started off my journey um, after my kids were a little bit older, they started attending St. Francis Elementary School, and that's where we're pushing at. And I was a stay-at-home mom for 11 years, and then I was just in church one day, and um, Lori Power, who I love dearly, says, Tamara, you should apply for this job at St. Francis Elementary, the director of achievement. I'm like, I haven't been to work in forever. I've been home. And so I did that, and then I was called to go over to St. Robert, and that was just a blessing. Um, when Bishop Soto has confidence in you and the Catholic mm-hmm. School Department, that's really wonderful. And so I said yes to that calling. And that school is such a, a wonderful gem, a wonderful um, collection of families and parents that are long-standing generational Catholic families in a wonderful neighborhood of Hollywood Park. So I was yeah, able I, to go in and... and I hear that all the time, yeah, mm-hmm. about yeah, St. Robert. It, it was just um, a gem. And the uniqueness of St. Robert and still my kids have gone to different, um, you know, elementary schools and, and different Catholic high schools. The thing about St. Robert is the kids just always come back and the families always come back. We'd be at the festival, we'd be at the, um, any Christmas event, at mm-hmm. the Veterans Day event, and families from generations would come back and they were dedicated to Catholic education. Families moved out of the area, but they would still send their grandkids or nieces wow. or nephews or relatives and the extended family would help support that um, through resources, through through helping with tuition or helping with volunteering or mm-hmm. their time and talent. So um, a very uh, genuine, true uh, church of great charism when it comes to Catholic faith. And then one day you're at the conference. Yeah, so I was principal um, all during COVID. Um, I really built on what St. Robert had made sure we were fully accredited. For me, Catholic identity is the first and foremost uh, shining star of our Catholic school, so we have to have that be that something that resonates throughout and, and permeates throughout our school and our community and making sure that is strong. And um, I was very confident in, in having these wonderful teachers and support staff from the custodian to the assistant principal. So, so much support in building that school, making sure there was operational vitality, making sure there was a strategic plan in place so that, you know, St. Robert's, you know, it's about 65 years, so it's around for another 65 years or longer is how long the school's been there. But I was called um, last summer and um, just out of the blue, and someone had my name, and it could have been someone from the Catholic Schools Department, and could have, you know, 
and they said, oh, Samara, there's this um, director of education position at the California Catholic Conference. Hmm. I think, you know, you should meet with Kathleen. She wants to meet with you. And I said, okay. And I wasn't really sure what the conference did because right. as a principal, I hadn't really heard about it. I heard it was kind of a far out there uh, opportunity or, or organization. And so I had coffee with Kathleen. Jimmy Rose was our executive director, and it was such a refreshing conversation. It was, you know, I had my resume, I had, I was ready for all these questions, and we had a conversation, which was so nice, and it intertwined both of our backgrounds and my background in education and what I'd already been doing in school that was basically advocating when it came to equitable services and when it came to any kind of state or federal programs that our students could benefit from, when it came to ensuring that our students had all of the same opportunities our public schools had that they were entitled to through IDEA. So I was already doing that advocacy at the school level, and so when Kathleen and I were talking, it was just kind of a match made, and she just said, Samara, I need you at the conference, and I think you'd be great in this position, and um, what do you think? And I was like, okay, sure, because I still didn't know what a lobbyist was, uh, other than what was organic in me and always advocating for children, always advocating for students, making sure that no matter what we do in education, uh, it has to touch the student at the, at the highest level, at the, at the foremost level. And so um, that's how, you know, it was over coffee. Um, and about two or three weeks later, I went and I had to have a meeting with Father Mike um, over at St. Robert's. Mm-hmm. And um, he was actually just so enthusiastic and said, Samara, this is what you're meant to do. This is what you're already doing, but now you can do it on a larger scale. You love, you know, meeting people and advocating for young people. Now you can do it for our entire Catholic community throughout the state of California, not just um, at a school or diocesan level. Wow. So did you and Kathleen go Dutch? Um, she paid. <laughs> she paid, okay. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a coffee, and I think she had a coffee and maybe a uh, breakfast sandwich, as I remember. <laughs> so, yeah, now, so now, I mean, uh, if there's a St. Robert in San Diego or a St. Robert in Eureka, there's not, there's a St. Mm-hmm. Bernard, I think, in Eureka, mm-hmm. but uh, you're advocating for all of them. I work closely with our Catholic superintendents. We have 12 dynamic superintendents mm-hmm. in all of our dioceses. And so I meet with them monthly through Zoom, and then we meet in person um, four to five times a year. Um, we also have retreats together, but we have a lot of business items we have to take care of as well. So I'm there to listen, to advise, to help um, strategize, to be their advocate when it comes to federal programs, state programs, when it comes to any kind of alignment with their accreditation and um, uh, anything that's happening at a level where our public school students are benefiting, really trying to find ways that our private schools um, can benefit as well. And that's something that we've really been working hard at is ensuring that any dollar that has been designated for students with learning differences, students that may benefit from um, from Title I services, meaning they may have they might need a little extra help in certain subjects, right. making sure that these safe, safety programs, for example, our nonprofit security grants are, are being utilized and um, applied for in our schools. So anything that are green ribbon schools, having schools that are that are green, that are environmental friendly, uh, supporting our, our Ladacho C platform that we have, anything the school the public schools are doing that I can transfer into the Catholic schools, um, I try to do. 
So give us, if you can, I'm sure every meeting is different, but it's sort of a, for instance, of how when you meet with the superintendents from all of, from every diocese, how, how that meeting progresses and what, what are you talking about? Yeah, so we have a, there's a superintendent that's chair, Pam Lyons from the Diocese of San Francisco, an amazingly uh, bright lady that brings us all together. There's an executive team, there is a treasurer, um, there's a planning team, they rotate who's going to host. So this last meeting actually was in Sacramento, and I worked with Katie Platter, our amazing mm-hmm. superintendent in Sacramento, and worked with Jack Galco, who is the principal president of Galco, um, and he allowed us to use his building on the 500 block of Capitol Mall, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Sacramento. Yeah. Um, and so we met in the big round room. And, of course, we, we come together and we hug and we check in and we find out how everyone's doing. We have our coffee and our snacks, but then we get to our agenda and we talk about um, agenda items that have come up in previous meetings and then what are new items we want to add. So in this particular meeting, everyone gets to do a check-in in their diocese, how are things going, what are the hot topics, and then we have specific agenda items. So um, this time around, we were discussing um, different school models. So maybe there might be a regional model. Um, the, the Diocese of Fresno, um, John Bouchard there, she's being very creative. Fresno is very spread out, but she's actually um, combining uh, schools and being creative for operational vitality. She's turned some of her elementary schools into K-6 and then made junior high so that um, oh, really? wow. schools like San Lucky Memorial can thrive because she was hearing from families through surveys there's a need for that junior high experience and students were leaving and going to yep. some of the other schools in the valley because the schools in, in the valley are, are pretty strong schools. So you have to really uh, be deliberate in your offerings and making sure that Catholic identity is strong but also the programming when it comes to academics, when it comes to extracurricular, whether it's sports or music or theater um, or public speaking, debate, that you have programs that can compete with those uh, public schools as well. So we talk about um, different school plans and organizations. We talked a little bit about LA. LA is one of our largest dioceses, five regions, listening to Paul Scala and his knowledge in working with government. What does that look like? We really talked about elevating our presence as Catholic schools and really thinking about what can we do as an organization to ensure our enrollment increases. After COVID, we went up a little bit, then we've kind of plateaued and even declined a little bit in some areas. Mm-hmm. What can we do to ensure that our Catholic schools are standing 20, 40, 50 years down the line? So we do a lot of strategic planning and bring in different speakers to help us with that operation of vitality, those accreditation pieces, the pieces that are going to help elevate and really expose the good work that's happening in all the different school settings. Because each diocese is very different. We have Monterey with Kimberly Chang, who's dynamic. It's a smaller diocese, but she works so hard in that diocese. And then, like I said, we have LA that's, you know, the largest, about 60,000 students they're serving out of 200,000. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Wow. So do you use St. Robert's Rules of Order? I kind of as a guest, and I, I help to, to guide, and I bring ideas, and I bring in guest speakers and topics that the team may want to hear about. Right now there's some federal legislation when it comes to um, education savings accounts. Mm-hmm. I bring information I bring information from the USDCB, which is really nice, so, they can, uh, so we can align all that together. 
Um, but Pam Lyons is our fearless chair, and that position will rotate next year, and another superintendent will become chair. But the unique thing about our California superintendents is where they're each in different dioceses, different settings, different areas, they work so well together. They're always lifting each other up. Mm -hmm. They're always supporting. And I always um, say to my, my kids, you know, you're only as good as your neighbor. You're only as strong as your neighbor. And these superintendents take care of the neighboring diocese using and sharing resources, best practices, um, and ensuring that each diocese has the support that they need to ensure operational vitality and ensure that their Catholic identity is strong. So uh, when, you, when you deal with the legislature, are you more often reacting to bills that have been introduced, or are you proactively maybe suggesting bills that should be introduced? So this year we did not introduce any legislation. So in, in my role in education, I, um, I track bills, I look at bills, and so for me it's important to know the members and to know what committees the members sit on, to know the key players in, um, in, in dealing with all the legislation. So a priority of the conference this past year is to go and meet and reach out not only to all of our new members, but even long-standing members that we've had relationships with so that we can build that relationship. So when it's time to ask or when there's a hard conversation to be had, a critical conversation, there's already an established relationship. So that happens. Then when bills come out um, and there are thousands of bills, we filter through the bills and I filter through the education and I look through my priorities, which are um, supporting um, excellence and, and, and academic excellence and excellent schools. So I look all the way from bills that have to do with the formative years, the preschool age from birth to three, what's happening in that space and how can we support. Then I look at what's happening in our elementary school grades, what's happening in middle school, high school, all the way through college, and even into teacher retention and training so that we can have a, a viable pipeline of highly qualified teachers to teacher students, whether it be in a Catholic school setting or in a public school setting, mm -hmm. because the majority of our Catholic students go to public school. So I work very closely with the California Department of Ed in ensuring that our students that are in public schools know their rights in regards to being able to examine curriculum, being able to be a part of the site council, being able to be involved in their child's um, upbringing and the education arena as a partner. And so on our website, we make sure to share that information with parents, and we also send it out in our um, insights that's put together by Kim Nichols, our communications director, so that parents are always aware that as a parent, you do have rights, and so we really try to support our families in, in public schools as well. Yeah, it, it, maybe maybe it's just more uh, more news coverage or something, but it sure seems like in the last few years, the public schools have become uh, battlegrounds in terms of a lot of issues and curriculum and et cetera. Yeah, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing um, a lot of legislation that we feel and a lot of parents feel don't include them in the conversation. Mm -hmm. we, we as a conference and as a church want to love and treat every person with dignity and appreciation for who they are. At the same time, we want parents to have the right and use their responsibility to know what's happening in school because some of the materials that are coming into schools may be 
too mature, maybe out of line with our Catholic social teachings. Mm -hmm. And it's the parents' responsibility to introduce and support their children through those journeys. It's not the school's responsibility. And so that's where we come in sometimes and say, this is something that we feel parents should be responsible for, not the schools. And then how can we work together if this is something that has been mandated or becomes a bill and a law? to work with parents so they can examine, so they can look at, so they can, so it can be transparent. So parents can then make that decision if they do choose to opt out of a certain uh, uh, teaching or, or mm -hmm. piece of um, uh, curriculum that they feel is not aligned with their, with their religious beliefs. Yeah, I was I was hoping my parents would get me to opt out of math and foreign language. <laughs> that's and not going to happen. No, that is not going to happen. happen. Yeah. No, no. So, the you hear a lot about in terms of political activity, uh, political groups, um, I guess public in, uh, interest groups, uh, concentrating on school boards, local school boards. How much? How much of what is taught in, in the public schools or, you know, the curriculum or guidelines or whatever you want to call it, rules comes from the state or even the federal government? And how much does a local school board actually have control over? Well, the state does adopt and give choices to the school board. The school boards were voted on by the people they serve. And so ultimately the school boards do have that power to support their communities mm -hmm. based on the needs of that community. So that local control is something that is a, a right for Californians and something that we actually voted for, to have school boards have some autonomy over the districts and the areas they serve. And mm -hmm. so that is something that, um, as you can see in some of the news that's being, um, there's some impediments right now in, in certain districts and areas. So for us, we don't get involved so much in, in the, the rhetoric, we get involved in the policy piece, mm -hmm. which is school boards were formed so that at the local level, the school board, along with the families in the school, can make the best decisions for their community. Right. That is being overstepped right now in some areas, we feel. However, we always get back to that basic piece. What is the functionality of school boards to support their local, local areas, mm -hmm. which sometimes areas are different. We know that California is diverse. We, which is such a blessing. But we also know that what might work really well in one district may not work as well in another district, right. and the need may not be there. So that's why you have that local control and that school board, so they can help to listen and navigate and help make some decisions that are going to benefit every child in their community. And so as the CCC, we make sure to keep our pulse on what's happening with the different groups. We meet with, um, with a variety of groups. And we meet with groups that we don't always agree with or aren't mm -hmm. in alignment mm -hmm. with. It's so important and so valuable to have conversations, to listen and to learn and to be at the table so that we can see all perspectives and all sides, but still never wavering from our Catholic social teachings oh, and, uh, um, and our church. That's so beautifully put, I, I because I, <laughs> we're living in such a polarized world, and I, I see it in my hometown sometimes with the schools, sometimes with the city government, but where uh, this group is evil or this group is that yeah. or this group and, yeah. and they believe this and, and really no dialogue like, okay, well, what, what's motivating this group and what, what do they yeah. really want and what, mm -hmm. what, as you say, what can we 
where can we find some some commonality? Um, yeah. Because it it's just it isn't sometimes just two groups; it's four groups or six groups, and everybody has a, a an axe to grind, and it's uh, it's not healthy for our kids. No, and I think um, Bob, I want to say there are so many great public school districts in California. Yeah, great public. I I taught in great districts. I was a public school teacher before a Catholic school mm-hmm. teacher. I taught in. Clovis Unified, I know it's an excellent district. Oh, Clovis is, is renowned, yes. yeah. Yes, I taught in Fulton Unified. I was teacher of a year there. I taught in Lafayette Unified. Um, so I've taught in public school districts that exemplify what it means to take care of the students and to have the student's interest in mind when they're delivering high-quality instruction. And we, I want to elevate those, those school districts, and I want others to model after those. And, yes, there are some districts in California that are not serving our kids well. And I will not name those districts because I don't have data in front of me. But I think we all know there are some districts that could do better. We can always improve. And so how do we work together, like, collectively, bring in some of those best practices that you see happening in districts that are successful and try to replicate, not take away autonomy, not take away your your characteristics, but to complement what you're doing so that we can elevate students to the highest level so they can be the most successful in their endeavors whatever pathway they choose after high school, whether it's career, college, a trade. Um, that's where I want to get back to. And it shouldn't matter what setting you're in to have that achievement. So does, does Clovis have any high schools not named after a direction? <laughs> they do. They have, uh, let's see, Buchanan. Oh, Buchanan, yeah, right, right. Um, they have, uh, yeah, so the, there's my, my sister's, my two younger sisters, they went to Clovis High. Uh-huh. And now, um, yeah, there's Clovis West, which is a powerhouse, Clovis East, North. Yeah, they're, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They, they have good schools, though. I just wanna, they are. They um, are. Co- my hats to them. Complete. Yeah. Pi- I mean, they're, they're just renowned everywhere, Clovis. They yeah. just, they just yeah. really, really, really are. Yeah. You know, that's, so what, what as, is there specific legislation you're working on now that you can share with us? So right now we have quite a few bills in suspense, so that means they're being held. They're mm-hmm. uh, still being decided if they're going to go to the floor or if they're going to end up being two-year bills or possibly by But one bill that um, I worked on specifically was um, AB 238 um, by Senator Ramar Suchi, and this is a student teaching grant bill. What this bill would provide is a grant or a stipend for student teachers during their 600 hours of student teaching. Currently, when you student teach, you don't get paid. Wow. You leave your position, or, for example, when I student taught, I was coming right out of college, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have expenses yet. So you go from your BA to your, maybe your credential, your master's, however you want to do it. it does, you don't really miss much. But when you're uh, an adult with a family or an adult that is now going back to student teach, you don't get paid for that. You leave your position, and then you go and student teach. And what that does is it can put people in real bind because they don't have the resources to pay their bills or to right, take care of right. themselves. So by having that stipend, it elevates the work they're doing. It's kind of like a mini internship, if you want to call mm-hmm, it that, mm-hmm. where you're going to get compensated for the time you're putting in to learn best practices from the highest qualified teachers that are your master teachers so you can then go back into the classroom and deliver that high-quality instruction. And so that's the deal that I've been working with um, Marisucci's office on, and 
and it is a big expense. So that bill, uh, I'm hoping that it makes it out, but at this time I do not know if that bill will make it out. Um, another bill that I've been lobbying is um, AB51, um, Senator Norma Bonta, and that's on early care, and that would uh, provide and expand um, preschool access and try to ensure that families that are marginalized have extra resources to pay, also elevating the pay of the providers, allowing for kinship care, which as a church, we're very big proponents of having family members um, be able to take care of and watch um, the, the, their, their relatives. Mm -hmm. And so that's the bill that, um, that I've worked on. Um, and those are two that are really positive. Um, I've had to work on some bills that were not so, um, not so positive. There was um, a bill that had to do with our Healthy Kids Survey by Assemblymember um, Wicks, and that bill, basically, the questions that were being asked of our young people were too mature mm -hmm. in, in our eyes, and some of the questions did ask and, and talked about abortions, how to get abortions, when to get abortions. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, you know, in contrary to what we teach as a church, and so I worked with the, with the member and, and testified and just shared that while it's important to, to survey and, and check in on kids' well-being at the same time, some questions need to be left for home because of the level of maturity. And so those questions um, actually were taken out of the survey, which oh, excellent. is really a positive thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so you, so you're, not, you're trying to kill legislation, you're trying to modify no. it. Yeah. Modify it, yes, yeah. exactly. So, is, is education, does it tend to be a little less partisan uh, in the legislature or more partisan or about the same as, because we see such a divide, uh, every, you know, everywhere, uh, it seems <laughs> now, in terms I, of uh, everybody in one party voting one way and everyone in the, I mean, I've, I've <laughs> I sometimes think if the Democrats say it's Monday, the Republicans will say it's Tuesday, you know, and it might yeah. really be Thursday. Yeah, I, I would have to say that, um, in education, for me, it's been a, a very kind of, I, I know there are priorities from, from both parties, but I feel like there has been some collaboration and, and working together. Mm -hmm. But I do feel there have been some bills that have been controversial. Sure. Um, for example, there was a bill put out by um, Senator Grove on um, education savings accounts. Mm -hmm. That bill wasn't even able to really be heard. And so it's like you put all this work into trying to put something together that is going to provide more choice and opportunity for kids, but then it, it doesn't even get heard because it's not a priority, mm -hmm. um, the majority. And so right. that happens. Um, being able to examine material feels like that not being heard because it's not the majority again. So there are some times when, when both sides come together in education. Um, and I, I do believe that our members, um, our assembly members and senators have the best interest uh, young people in mind when it comes to education. The committees are dead fast. Um, when I go to education meetings led by Assemblyman Marusucci, um, he is very much a proponent of, you know, higher ed and ensuring that our California young people can attend California State Universities and UCs. Mm -hmm. And what is being done, so he really pushes those groups to say, how can we invest more in our own students in California? What do we need to do so that we're not pulling from uh, the outside as much, and we're hiring the threshold of the number of students that are accepted, that are highly qualified students, meet all the benchmarks. How can we ensure these kids are in? So 
I do see work coming together on, on many issues. Very good. Well, uh, Samara, I could talk to you all day. I hope we can get you back on the program. I've got a whole, whole another bunch of things I'd love to ask you. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, I know you're very busy, and uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again. I know St. Robert misses you, but uh, you're doing the Lord's work there for the conference. Yes, and I'm just thrilled to be here. I've been here a year, and I look forward to just growing in my role and being able to continue the work of the church and our bishops of California. I really appreciate the time, uh, Bob, and the questions and the dialogue. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you, and God bless uh, you and all the folks there at the conference. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. Hey, you too. That's uh, uh, Samara Palco. Uh, wow. Uh, they got some great people at the California Catholic Conference. Uh, Kathleen Domingo is the uh, executive director there, and just some some great directors: Ken Johnson, Madrigan, Linda Warner, uh, Samara Palco, Molly Sheehan, Debbie McDermott, Isabel Ponce, uh, Kimberly Nichols. A lot of great people there at the co conference. Uh, uh, we'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishops Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Hello, this is Moises de Leon from the Office of Family and Respect Life. You're listening to Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunnan. Thank you, Moises, for that introduction. Well, well, we are pleased and honored to welcome in person Father Memo, the Hello Director everybody. of Vocations for the Diocese of Sacramento. Always good to see you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for inviting me. And, and thanks got, to all the... We've got all kinds of wonderful things happening in September. Yes, exactly. We are just coming out from summer, which was amazing. I, I, you had me here a few weeks ago, and I talked about the summer. Now the seminarians are back at the school, uh, we have two events that are uh, used to promote vocations. You know, we will use them to promote vocations. The first one, a big one, is called On Fire. Yes. It's the annual event that happens on, on Six Flags where young adults and youth are invited, and also families. Any family can yeah. come. There is going to be a mass with bishops and different bishops as well. Mm -hmm. We have concerts. We have many things. We have the right, but the Office of Vocations... Mm, Mm, uh, in collaboration with the Department of Evangelization and other dioceses, we put together a, a carnival. We call Vocations Carnival, where we invite different religious organizations of California or even beyond California. Mm -hmm. And also some diocesan offices come. Oh, wow. And we set a table and we just greet everyone who is passing by and we give away little gifts. And the purpose is to to present to young people, you know, the different congregations that exist in the world. Of course, not no every congregation come, but those who can, they are invited. And I think a lot come. of people don't realize how many how many congregations there are. Yeah, thousands. 
and and all with different charisms and all you know different things that they do in that's the world. Right. Yeah, that's right. Some of them work with the poor, some others with with the sick, some others with whatever. You know, they take care of the different needs of the of the church, which is the body of Christ. Right. So, and they come. Some of them come, and they spend a good time with with the young people talking, and and even some of these religious sisters is so fun to see them writing. You know, <laughs> doing <laughs> yeah. in the rites. Yeah. So fun. So this is gonna happen. At on fire on September Saturday, September sixteenth, right. Six Flags in Vallejo. Very good. Now the next weekend, the weekend, the following weekend, which is uh, September twenty third, we will be. My office will be at Ministry Days. Right. We will offer two workshops on Saturday twenty third. Workshops that are catered for various vocation committees that are new or they want to be created. Mm-hmm as well for Paris Vocation Committees or any kind of ministry or any kind of person that wants to collaborate with the work of their pastors mm-hmm. in order to promote vocations. Very so good. people need some tools. People need, you know, little ideas how to how to promote the vocations in their own parishes, and that's the purpose of these workshops. It's going to be in Spanish, and it's going to be in English. Very good, and, and people can sign up for... for uh, there are a number of workshops at Ministry Days, and you can, you can pick two. And uh, this would be a great one to pick. And you can go to ministrydays.com to register and sign up. And it's always a big event. It's at St. Francis High School here in Sacramento. And it's always a beautiful event. And it's a lot of fun, you know. Every year there is a keynote that comes. I don't know who's going to be this year. I mean, I should know. But <laughs> I don't remember at this moment. And and it's always a great event where many ministries from around the diocese gather together. We we meet each other, we pray together, and we learn from one another. So it's a great opportunity for everybody to come, all people who work already in parishes, or all those who are interested in working, or even those who don't work and are not interested in working in any parish, you are invited. They are invited to come and to join any one of the workshops that are available for them. And, uh, Bishop Soto, of course, will be there, and uh, Catherine Angulo will be one of the uh, 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 keynoters, Father uh, Agostino Torres, yeah. uh, Rodolfo Lopez, and uh, Armando Cervantes from the, the Diocese of Orange. Great. Yeah. Great group of, of It's of a very great, great, great. Armando really gets around. Got yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, we've uh, interviewed him a number of times. Oh, okay. Very, That's why you know him very well. Very interesting guy. That's going to be my first time oh, meeting him and hearing him. Yeah. yeah. So a, a lot of exciting things. So all of your uh, seminarians are back there in Menlo Park or Oregon? or That's right. The Lord has given us 12 seminarians. We have 12 seminarians this year. There are three that came in, three new guys that mm-hmm. came into, into the, the, the diocese. And all of them are, I mean, seven of them are in St. Patrick Seminary in Menlo Park. Five of them are at Mount Angel in, in um, Oregon. In Oregon. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, Mount Angel is up. It's up near Salem. Th- th- that way, you yeah. see the exits off of I five. It's a beautiful area. It is indeed so green. Always green. Always green. Plenty of flowers. Yeah. Um, perfect place for growing vegetables and flowers yeah. Yeah. and. And, and plenty of breweries. <laughs> I was told that they have a great Oktoberfest in Mount Angel. Is, is. Actually, the seminarians are asked to go and, and, and help. 
Oh, is that right? Yes, yes, because even the monks, they, they put their own stand because they... Do, do they brew their own beer, the monks? Yeah, they yeah. do. And there is a little brewery that is very nice. Not that little. I mean, it's a real restaurant yeah. that is behind the hill. The, 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 the monastery is, in a, is on the top of a hill. Well, behind that hill, there is a, a brewery owned by the monastery. Oh, wow. And it's always full of people. Can I? Can I... Can I go? <laughs> anytime, anytime, as long as your wife allows you to, actually bring her. She, I'll bring her, yes. She will enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful area, and, and uh, I'm a native Oregonian, so ah. I, I, I'm very, very fond of Oregon. It's like a magical place over oh, there. Oh, it is, it is. It's God's country. Uh, we've always said that about Oregon. It's God's country. Yes. It's beautiful. It is really beautiful. If... Uh, uh, have you ever seen Crater Lake on your way up there? No, I always go on airplane. That our, is on one of God's greatest creations. Um, the great, uh, the great author Jack London, mm. who used to travel the world, you know, and, and see all the great things and write yeah. about them. When he saw Crater Lake, he said, "I can stop." Wow. He said, "I have seen the greatest thing, Crater Lake." It's just a lake, but it's just fa it's fabulous. Certainly, it's beautiful. As every time I go, I go on on work purposes, sure. never never on sure. vacation, because I go to visit the seminarians, I go to meet with bishops and and such, you know. But uh, as soon as I arrive to the area of Mount Angel, or when I'm driving, that's what I do. I drive from the airport of Portland, Portland, all sure. the way to Mount Angel. And that driving is so exciting for me because it's so relaxing. Yeah. The mountains, the rivers. See Mount Hood just the rising green. up out of nowhere. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The traffic is about the same than California, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. but the, the sceneries are beautiful. Before you go next time, talk to me and I'll give you the back roads where there's no traffic. Uh, oh, You can okay. take back roads all the way from Portland to, to Mount Angel pretty is much. Is that right? Yeah, okay. you can stay off Interstate 5. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will look for you. Yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. But uh, so, and th and then we move on into the fall, um, and pretty soon, pretty soon, we're going to be playing basketball again. We're going to be doing all those. That's things. crazy. That's crazy. Well, during the fall, we have also we're planning to have a a, a gathering for the Deus Vocat and Covaris. Very good. Uh, children that attended those retreats, the Deus Vocat for In girls. In the summer, yeah. Covaris. Yeah. Uh, for, well, the Deus Vocat is in, on the spring. With spring, yeah. And Covaris is in, in the summer. But we are having a gathering. Those who attended the retreat will know because we will send uh, an email to them. But also, I'm doing on November 11. This is for all parish vocation committees and for any person of good heart that wants to come and pray for vocations. We are having a, a prayer gathering at the cathedral, oh, 7 p.m. Saturday. November Saturday, 11, yeah, 7 p.m. And the intention is just to pray for vocations. I will expose the Blessed Sacrament and we'll have a, a moment of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament as community, as as diocesan community, praying so that the Lord may send more laborers to, to the fields. Very good. Very, very good. Laborers to the field. Saint yes. Isidore. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Father, always a joy. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks so much. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. 
Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi- Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, 
and of Crumley and Associates. This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Deacon Kevin, for that wonderful introduction and for all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Speaking of which, a great event coming up, uh, Ministry Days uh, on this 22nd and 23rd of September at uh, St. Francis Catholic High School right here in Sacramento, 5900 Elvis Avenue in Sacramento. Just uh, I think most people know about St. Francis High School, but uh, it's not sponsored by St. Francis, but they always host it, and it's a wonderful a wonderful place to host it because there are a lot of workshops and it needs a lot of classrooms and they've always been most uh, most welcoming. Uh, ministry days uh, just encompasses. Uh, there's some some wonderful uh, keynote speakers and then uh, workshops and you you get your choice of a couple of workshops that you can uh, attend. Go to ministrydays.com to learn all about it. Uh, this from the ministry days uh, staff says we're excited to invite all of you to join Bishop Soto and ministry leaders from all over the diocese to ministry days on Friday and Saturday, September 22 and 23 at St. Francis High School in Sacramento. This year's event features excellent keynote speakers, workshops, mass with Bishop Soto, excellent resources for your ministry and an opportunity to network with colleagues and ministry from all over the diocese. And uh, again, Holy Mass with Bishop Soto, which is always, always uh, very, very meaningful. And then all these great workshops and keynote speakers. Friday features a formation and networking day for all the faculty and staff of the Catholic schools and a retreat day in English and Spanish for parish staff teams or individuals. Friday evening, the Young Adult Ministry Team will host a Theology on, a t- on Tap event for young adults. Saturday features a day of formation for all Catholics involved in ministry with a keynote presentation and over 30 different workshops in both English and Spanish that you get to pick which ones you want to go to. This year, as the National Church continues the Eucharistic revival, our theme is Real Presence, Real Life with Open Hands. Jesus told Zacchaeus, today I must stay at your house. Through the Holy Eucharist, Jesus offers to come and dwell with us, to remain with us so that we remain with him. With open hands, we receive the Lord Jesus and to so dispose ourselves to receive with open hands our brothers and sisters. So a a number of these uh, workshops, I'll just run through a a few of them for you. There's the, uh, the keynote speakers include uh, Father uh, Augustino Torres, uh, just a, just a, a wonderful, uh, uh, tremendous uh, uh, inspirational speaker, uh, Catherine, Catherine Angulo, who is a program director of the Thriving and in Ministry Initiative. Catherine directs four important outreach efforts. Uh, she works to prepare pastoral leaders for long-term ministry, provides intellectual and spiritual renewal for invited diocesan priests, is partnering with ISCAL to create cultures of affiliation in the U.S. Hispanic Catholic Church. And the fourth initiative uh, seeks to repropose the Holy Family of Nazareth as a foundation for catechetical renewal within the domestic Hispanic Church. Uh, uh, Catherine Angula is also a very inspirational speaker. Other keynote speakers uh, include, of course, uh, 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 Rodolfo Lopez, a composer, recording artist from the Oregon Catholic Press, 
and Armando Cervantes, Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Hispanic Ministry for the Diocese of Orange. Um, the uh, Among the uh, topics today will include a beautiful Eucharistic liturgy with homily from Bishop Soto, music from Adolfo Lopez, three talks, lunchtime for personal reflection, and a small group process. Uh, how can we help our people truly encounter Christ in the Mass on Sunday? How can we be the real presence to our parish and school communities? How can we better accompany Catholic disciples in their spiritual growth and their life of discipleship? How can we honor the real presence of Jesus that manifests itself daily in the lives of Catholic families? These are challenging questions that call us to listen to the call of Jesus, to be open to hear the stories of our people, and to be open to adapt the ways we form and accompany others. Uh, some of the uh, some of the workshops, uh, the theology of hospitality uh, by Clarissa uh, Chikioko, who is a, a parishioner at St. John Vianney in Rancho Cordova. Hospitality means welcoming others into our homes. In the case of youth ministers and confirmation coordinators, it means welcoming youth into God's home. In this presentation, youth ministry leaders will learn about how hospitality is less about the space and more about the gifts of self, one that I think will be very popular, uh, our good friend Deacon Greg McAvoy Jensen, the rubrics and parts of the Mass for catechists and altar server coordinators, introductory rites and liturgy of the Word. Uh, Deacon Greg will teach about the first half of the Mass in the view of catechists and altar servers. He has done a uh, a wonderful four-part series for us uh, that is up online as, as well, uh, breaking down the Mass and explaining each part of the Mass. So again, go to ministrydays.com, and you can, that's, there's a place there to sign up. Uh, you can learn more at ministrydays at scd.org, that's Sacramento Catholic Diocese. Real presence, real lives. Uh, with open hands. You can give them a call if you want information, uh, more information, or to sign up, 916-733-0133. Uh, excuse me, let me just say that again, 916-733-0135, 733-0135. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. Inside of me, I feel your spirit is moving around me. I hear your voice, you're calling me closer. I know that you're.
that you will.